Dr. Franz Grenier has got the inside track, or certainly a better track than most people, on the impact that Jacob Zuma is likely to have given his re-emergence into politics on the African National Congress in the national election later this year. Uh, the Social Research Foundation, which Dr. Cronier is the chairman of, uh, recently conducted a poll on the popularity of Zuma. We'll get some more insights in a moment. Franz, that was very timeous, the poll that you did in January. Did you have any particular insight that Jacob Zuma might enter the fray? Yeah, well, well, he... Some of his colleagues had registered a party quite some time back, so the potential of his entry into the race was always there. And then once that was announced and, and the public became aware of it, uh, we went into Natal, that was over the last two weeks or so, and we went to test how he's doing. And, um, yeah, as one of my colleagues said, game changer. In the previous, um, on the provincial ballot, because remember when you vote in South Africa, you've got a provincial and national ballot. So we'll just talk about the provincial ballot for KZN. 2019, South Africa had an election. ANC got about 50-odd percent in KZN on the provincial ballot. Last year, when we polled Natal, the ANC was down to about 40% in KZN. Uh, after Zuma's entry, this is how Natal's provincial ballot is now looking. Um, ANC, 25%. Jacob Zuma, 24%. And Inkata, 24% as well. Now, what that means a lot in Natal. What it means on a national level is if those levels hold for Zuma and Natal, he will take five percentage points of the ANC's national tally. And polls at the moment are averaging ANC national support at, let's say, around 45%. So that number, all things being equal, and Zuma sustaining his current levels of support in Natal, that takes the ANC number down to closer to 40%. If a few other things go wrong, perhaps you actually start to see uh, the prospect here of the ANC later this year falling into the 30 percentiles. And that is indeed, that's the game changer uh, for South Africa's politics. Alec. Is he taking the votes away only from the ANC or would Zuma's entry also impact the EFF? Yeah, on a provincial basis, he's eating chiefly into the ANC. Um, he's, uh, there's, there's nibbling into the EFF. There's a bit of nibbling into Encarta as well. But the, the, the votes that have moved, these are ANC voters leaving the ANC, uh, going to uh, Jacob Zuma. Does this take us back to 2017 when the Zuma dynasty, as it were, was very narrowly defeated by Ramaphosa and perhaps still not forgiven? or n not wanting to forgive the Ramaphosa faction and, and rejecting the whole unity idea. Yeah, it's in part that, but you've got to go back further as well. I mean, Zulu nationalism isn't dead in, in Southern Africa. It's always been around. When, when Mr. Zuma became leader of the ANC, the ANC was already in decline. It was only KZN that saw uh, lifting levels of support, and that was because of him. And you'll 
Remember some of the campaign slogans of that era, 100% Zulu boy, for example. So what you're seeing here is, 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 is Zulu nationalism and, and its impact on South African politics. You're also seeing another thing that I think is quite a good thing for people to start thinking about. South Africa is a very young country. Union is in 1910. Um, what we start to see with some of these numbers is a test on the decision of union. Can the unitary whole of South Africa hold together? We've previously tested support for secession in various parts of the country, and a lot of people talk about Cape secession, but I don't think that that's going to happen, not in the sort of formal way, but in the de facto way that Cape's already seceded. But in Natal, we found very high levels of support for secession to break away from the union. And I think what you're seeing here is a, is, is, is a fracture in that you, that's the, perhaps the most important or one of the, one of the important insights out of the state. You're seeing this fracturing of the union start to happen and, and very different kind of political sentiment happening in, in Natal to what you see across other parts of the country. The breakdown that you gave us of the way that it's polling in KZN right now with the ANC 25, Zuma 24, IFP 24 and uh, the DA kind of a, a distant fourth. Well, not that distant, but they certainly are fourth. What might the coalitions look like if that were to be the outcome? I don't know. I'm looking at the numbers here in front of me, Alec. Uh, so on the provincial ballot, yeah, ANC 25, MK and IFP each at 24 and the DA at 15. So, you know, the, the IFP and the DA, that takes you to 40%. Um, the, the ANC and the EFF's not doing very well. That doesn't take you above 40%. I don't know on coalitions. Um, I mean, you, you talk a bit to the politicians from time to time, and um, I don't think there are firm views there. I think that parties are divided on which way to go. I don't, uh, unless I'm, I, I miss it, I don't think the decisions have been taken. Uh, I think the implications are, don't, don't you know, in, in the same way that the implications are dawning on, on all of us who live in the country of an amazing result like this one, don't think that you are necessarily far behind the curve in terms of how the politicians themselves are thinking about this and understanding it. I mean, this is a shock for the ANC. It is in chaos yesterday morning as, as these results started to come out and, and it realizes that, you know, the, the way put it yesterday is, is the house is now on fire for the ANC and it's burning. And I'd thought before this result, I thought what probably is going to happen, the most plausible scenario for South Africa, the ANC cobbles together a majority this year, later this year with some smaller parties and it, it kind of slowly sinks, you know. It's, its support falls into the 40s and five years' time beneath that. And later we get a kind of centrist coalition replacing it. Um, what this data suggests, and it's not a forecast, and it's still early days, a lot of things can change, all those qualifica qualifications made. What this suggests is, is if the House is indeed on fire to the extent that these numbers suggest, can the ANC's roof come crashing down a lot faster than um, many of us who watch these things had suggested? And I'm, I don't, I don't think we've got enough to say that's going to happen yet. But the prospect of it happening 
is certainly um, risen um, with with these with this specific set of numbers. You mentioned that the EFF is not doing that well in KZN. Yet over the weekend, there were a lot of people in the Moses Mabila Stadium. Yeah, look, people in a stadium is a test of how good your on-the-ground logistics is to get um, branches to load people in buses and move them to a stadium. And, uh, you know, you can put 20,000 people in the stadium, 20,000, I mean, obviously there's many more than 20,000 voters. It's a gauge of things, but it's not a definitive gauge of, of overall levels of support in some way like uh, KZN. We also sort of see some ballot splitting in the KZN data that the EFF does better on the national ballots in KZN than it does on the provincial ballot. So so it's there and, and it's a factor and it's it's influential, um, but it's not at, at this stage uh, shooting the lights out in the tell and it's not the party that is cannibalizing the ANC. That is Mr. Zuma and his new Mkonto Wasiswe. Just before we move off the EFF, the pollsters, and there are a whole bunch of them, the SRF, your own organization included, have got the EFF anywhere from 9% to 18%, which is massive, massive difference. Yeah. What We've got the might those, What might those who are being more optimistic be getting wrong? Um, look, we've got them on the lower end. Some of the others have got them on the higher end. Um, so let's say we've got them at 10. Let's say the other guys have got them at 20. Now, factor in firstly margins of error. Margins of error on these polls are going to be three, four points. So that means if we say they're at 10, we, we concede they could be at 13. The people who say they're at 18 concede that they could be at 50. So it's not that far off. I mean, it's not totally different worlds. What's going on here is that in someone's, most likely, in someone's sampling efforts, they are getting um, part of the political market sample off. Uh, so either they're undercounting the, the kind of centrist, middle-class, DA kind of voter, or they're exaggerating that voter, and vice versa, they're getting the the, the EFF number off, because that's where the disagreement sits in the polling. Everyone's got a kind of similar view on the ANC at the moment, and historically, they all are pretty good on getting the ANC right. So it's, it's somewhere in there, and um, what, what I draw from it is to say that the support for the EFF is somewhere in the teens at the moment. I happen to believe it's on the lower side of the teens there. Other very capable people that think it's in on the higher end of the team. So that's where we are with, with EFF numbers at this time. Were you surprised that a date for the election was not announced in the State of the Nation? No, not particularly. I mean, um, I mean they've got time to announce a date. It's catching up on them, though, because the later you leave it, the colder it begins to get, and that's not good for the ANC in some of its last strong last strongholds. What a thing to say. Um, shows how the country's changing. Uh, Eastern Cape, for example, if it's cold, raining, sleeting, the wind's blowing, all those older uh, kind of rural ANC voters, you'll see a differential turnout that does not favor the ANC. Well, I don't know when the date is, I guess probably going to do it in the second half of May, but but we'll know, I think, within about two weeks or so. 
That's fascinating. Of course, it's something that uh, outside observers don't really take into account, that we're going into winter, and if the weather on the day happens to be typical winter weather, well, it isn't that pleasant to go out to the polling stations. On the other hand, though, what, what, did, you, what did you feel about the voter registration weekends? They're not particularly much. Um, I think the DA outperformed. There's a lot of stupid media that says the DA can't claim that it outperformed. It absolutely can. If, you, if, you, if your on-the-ground organizing efforts lead to the registration of a voter, the odds are very high that that voter is going to vote for you. That's why parties get excited about registration weekends. So I think the DA had a good registration weekend, better than than some of the others. Um, uh, overall, trying to register voters for parties that have support bases in lower socioeconomic strata is very difficult because younger, poorer people are um, more resistant to voting than is the case for more upwardly mobile, established middle-class uh, type people. And that differential is going to be important in this election. Um, and we've tested voter opinion, younger voters and the like, and whether they vote or not. They're very politically astute. You mustn't do what a lot of analysts do and say the voters are too stupid to vote. That's totally wrong. Those young voters that aren't voting have very good reasons for it that you really don't find hard to argue with. They say they've been betrayed so often by so many politicians that if you want me to go out and vote again, you actually want me to say that at a certain level, I believe that guy, that he's going to get me out of the terrible sort of living standards that, that I'm in. And um, very few of the, of the political options available this year will be able to do that. And hence that young person stays out of, out of the, the voting game. And that's likely to remain the case into the sort of medium term and beyond that future. And younger voters say they'll vote again when life improves. That is what they're going to do. And trying to register, in, register them in large numbers will be difficult. And I think that's what our, some of what our voter registration weekends reveals or confirms. You've been pretty cynical uh, or sceptical, perhaps, rather than cynical, about the new entries, the new parties, Roger Jardine, Songhezo Zibi, uh, a number of, even even uh, Herman Mashaba's Action SA. Why do you feel that they're not going to make the impact that some other people believe they will? Okay. Um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not cynical about them, sceptical, but it's only because uh, we we believe, and, and maybe we're wrong, that, that to an extent we, we understand the voting market pretty well. We've been doing this stuff for a long time. And it's very difficult to see where some of those new entrants are going to be effective, what voters they appeal. I understand that they appeal to 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 elite donors. That, that I know. I mean, their message is exactly what elite donors wants to hear. I don't see where it wins market share in an actual election. So, so that's the reason for it. On, on Herman, amazing potential, you know, that, that, that he still has um, and had. I don't think that party's living up to its potential. I, I, I don't think it's Herman is positioned as a, as a 
someone a serious presidential type option with real gravitas. It's too much. I try not to comment on specific bodies, but it's it's not serious enough. And um, what I do think had has enormous potential, and I struggle to find the resources to live up to that. Is is Musi Maimani and Bosa? I think he's one of the great unrealized uh, sort of pieces of political potential in our country, um, and is is. Perhaps hemmed in by an absence of resources, but these, these, these—I mean, the, the smaller actors together will get a couple of percentage points. Herman Mashab at the moment sitting at three or four. Um, the, the rest, not, I mean, we see—we've been able to find in some polls, get him close to one. Uh, some guys are not much, and I mean, Jodine Snow at all, and there's no chance. But. Um, yeah, they they on 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 the lower end. Yeah, about just under twenty percent of the vote in this next election is going to go to smaller or micro-sized parties. Uh, those with one, two, three, four percentage points. So collectively, they're very influential. And if you get to election results that are close, you know. Let's say you put the ANC and the DA together and that gives you 45. Those smaller parties have have real influence, potential influence, and in fact, enormous responsibility in the decisions they take about whether coalitions are put together or whether those options are impossible. On this point, Ellie, coming out from these coalitions, we'll say, a lot of people think about coalitions in a very kind of formal way that the two parties are going to get together and then they're going to agree on their policies and then they're going to go on. There's another option which which we may first live through before we one day get to full coalition. And that's what's called a confidence and support agreement. So two parties strike such an agreement. The confidence part of the agreement is to say that I, as your partner, will oppose any motions of no confidence in your government that would collapse the government. Only in the interests of securing national stability. It implies not that I support your government or endorse its policies, just that we will play the role of preventing a, a series of motions of no confidence, perhaps in the president, then the whole executive resigns, do that every couple of months, complete chaos. The, the support agreement is we will support your government, perhaps a minority government would, would likely be a minority government in passing the budget so that the budget can be passed. So when you think about how this electoral math adds up after the election later this year, uh, don't think that it has to be a formal coalition in order for the math to add up. It can be a confidence and support agreement where the adults in the room get together and say, look, this is the position. You go into government as a minority government. We don't endorse your government. We don't, we don't support your policies. But we will act to ensure as far as we possibly can the stability of the country in keeping the executive in power and making sure that the budget can be passed. And that's not a bad, that's not a bad, we can have a, South Africa can have a minority government with, with that sort of agreement in place. Uh, m- most likely the, 
the sort of ANC and the DA or the ANC and IFB might be able to do something like that at the national level. Very complex and then lots of uh, interest going forward. Just to close off with, though, you've always been able, not always, recently been able to find the glass half full. Is there any upside in the recent developments? Immense upside. This, the, the current AT administration has done very badly in how it's governed the country and what it's done with the country's reputation. And it's betrayed the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of millions of South Africans. And what is the consequence of that? Consequence is they set to lose an election. And that is firstly a very positive thing. The many emerging markets, post-colonial African administration, South Americans, who got into trouble didn't have the easy option of a relatively peaceful, if somewhat chaotic transition. And we have that. And the alternative, countries change two ways. They change like we're changing, if you're lucky, or it's violence. And we're not at the violence. The second point, one I reiterate often, is public opinion in South Africa is very centrist and very moderate. Uh, and it's not a radicalized populace, certainly not yet. And it could have been. Um, and, and that's a second asset. Third asset we have as a country is that expenditure is tracking revenue sideways. You'll see that in the minister's budget now imminent. And that's amazing because what you should do if you're a post-colonial Soviet domiciled, indoctrinated uh, 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 African or South American government losing power is to print money. Because if you print, you can create inflation. You choose to, to create desperation and anger and populism so that you can override democratic control. We're not seeing that out of the ANC government. For that, we can be fortunate. And, and another thing, probably the fifth one now, is that where the state fails, as it does very often, you can, in as far as you are able to, take up in your community for yourself as your business the, the, the responsibilities of once those of the state. So you can run a small business and put solar panels on your roof. Um, that's not easy. It costs a lot. But if, if, if we were faced with a truly kind of fascist autocracy, this such a government could easily say you may not put those panels on your roof because you are challenging the authority of the state and the national monopoly of Esther. We're able to do all of those things. So I think in, 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 in the relative order of things and thinking about emerging markets that went before us and thinking what could otherwise have been a, a violent change through a radicalized population, inflation rate of 10,000%, the deck of cards we've been dealt, we can change peacefully. The population is the broader Public opinion is centrist and moderate and very sensible. Uh, we're not printing money. You can, as far as you can as a community, get on and, and, and plug the gaps that the state has left. That is not in, 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 in history. That, that is a very generous hand we've been dealt. And if we play it effectively, it is easy to see, easy to see, how you can turn that into significant uh, upside for the country. Um, 
So I'm I I and and, and I remain firm in that view. Um, of course, you could mess this up, even this. But you've got to say, put it differently. If this is the hand you're dealt, you're changing peacefully. You've got a moderate population. You're not printing money. You can, you know, take over state authority uh, uh, duties where you can. If this is what you've got, what is the likelihood? What's going to happen with it? On the balance of probabilities, if you strip hope and fear out of these analyses, there, there is a, the, the, the balance of probabilities is, is, is that there's probably an upside for your society that lies ahead. If the deck was different, Alec, if, it, if, 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 if John Stiernazen was in prison and, and we were having this conversation in Hampstead because two of us might be in prison with him, if we, if, and if the inflation rate was 10,000% and the... You know, the, the, the political chant uh, was sort of death to capitalism. That hand, it's very difficult to see strong upsides out of that, but that's not the hand we've been dealt. And so as, as difficult as this is and how perilous a moment this undoubtedly is for the country, the, the upside potential is very significant. Hello. Dr. Franz Grenier is the chairman of the Social Research Foundation, and I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com.